So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Before we start the show, a quick apology. The pub we chose this week was a little louder than usual. We fixed the problem about halfway through by going to another pub. So if you find it a bit hard going, you can skip ahead. Also, Terry claims to have got a cold from it. I'm not sure what the logic is there, but keep that in mind. And finally, I'm recording this disclaimer in a studio, so it's going to sound a lot worse than this. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that, as it's checking out down outside, will start under a safety presenter. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, I'm Bernd Mylander. This is the F1 podcast that... No, hang on, wait, wait, there's a dry line forming. Where's Chica? I'm Chica Ayers, and today, from our massive yacht in the Monte Carlo Harbour, we look back at the Monaco Grand Prix. Last weekend's race sorted the winners from the losers, the men from the boys, and the champions from the ones that aren't very good when it rains. This weekend, boy wonder Verstappen got overexcited and repeatedly crashed into the same spot. Arch enemies Lewis and Nico hugged, and we discovered that Lewis Hamilton is a believer. Can we really fit that all in? No. Bye! in the Wheat Sheaf in London Bridge is a man who this week didn't write his intro in time and so spent his days listening to Justin Bieber records and loving them. It's Terry Saunders. Hi everybody, I'm not going to take any uh, issue with that, I'm a big Justin Bieber fan. Now, Chica, I owe you an apology. Why? Well, since we started this podcast we've been mocking your kind of former peanut flat, (laughs) I can't remember the specifics. We were there going, oh, you know, you got shit everywhere and peanuts, whatever. Well, I've had a builder into my place today and they've taken the tiles off the wall and gone, there is water everywhere. Basically, every time I've had a shower or a bath in the last few months, save for the knowledge that I'm not living up to my neck in peanuts and excrement, when it is actual fact, I've just been pouring water into my wall. So, sorry. So you're, you're a peanut on the inside? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel? Skint. <laughs> and alongside him is a motoring journalist who this week went on a journey through time. Some of it was on a monorail. 
It's Phil Tromans. Yes, hello everyone. That cryptic clue uh, was a reference to what I did on the Bank Holiday Monday for our international listeners. It was a, a public holiday on Monday, so I went to the National Motor Museum at Bewley, uh, which was good fun, and as well as lots of old cars, there was lots of old Formula One cars. Ooh! Uh, they had uh, a former Damon Hill Williams from 96. They had, uh, what else, a former Schumacher, also 96. Uh, basically, they had all the cars from 96 and uh, a Lotus so 49. They had a job lot, basically. And a 1977 Wolf and a load of Formula One cars. Uh, while I was there, I went to the gift shop and I picked up this little book, which is the book, the fourth edition of the Formula One Miscellany. Oh, well, there you go. It's just full of random Formula One facts. So I thought I'd just... Finally, we can have content. Yeah, actual content from somebody who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Ooh. So I thought I'd just intersperse fairly regularly uh, with a, a little bit of, of F1 knowledge. Okay. Just to sort of broaden, broaden our horizons. Two drivers have won the Formula One Drivers World Championship without using their real surname. Do you know who they are? Phil Hill. No. I'll give you a clue. You, both of them are quite famous. I think even you, Chica, will have heard of both of them because they're relatively recent. They're not like from the 50s or anything. Keki Rosberg. He's not Nico's dad at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not the right kind of era. Give me the year. Give me the year. Well... They both won more than once, so Senna, De Silva. Yes, very that's good. Not that's fair. one. That's cheating. Well, that's one. That's not um, cheating. Nelson Piquet, De Silva. That's actually, you're right. You've got the wrong name, but you are right. Yeah. Did you know? Because uh, all Brazilians have De Silva after their name. <laughs> uh, Nelson Piquet was born Nelson Sotomayor. Wow. Anyway, enough of my nonsense. Chica, what have you been up to? This week I went and I saw quite an exciting gig this week. A gig? Was it the Money Street Preachers? <laughs> was, it, was it the Berlin, had, was it the Berlin Philharmonic? Busted. One Direction. Radiohead. Oh, that's good. Yes. I like Radiohead. Yes. Oh. Uh, so in honour of this, I was thinking maybe we could try and get as many Radiohead song names in this as possible. What do you say? I'll try not to leave you high and dry. OK, <laughs> computer. <laughs> So let's start with the stories you've been talking about in this Listener's Corner. First of all, we'll talk about the Hamilton win that wasn't a straightforward win. And friend of the show, Adrian, said, I don't know how durable these ultra-soft Pirellis were, but that's the only plus point of this win. He was good to keep them inflated. Nowhere better for Lewis to stage his comeback than the most swaggy venue of the calendar. I actually thought Hamilton did drive very well. But they're ultra soft. weren't very soft at all. They were just like soft. super soft. But they were, well, yeah, they, they were. They were still. Well, no, the super softs were like super soft. The ultra softs were just quite hard ultra soft. They were a nice purple though. Ultra soft should last like five laps maximum. Ag- agreed, they should. But I mean, you know, they they play the cards they're dealt. If I they... was Lewis Hamilton, despite winning the race, I'd be moaning at the end, going, "I want my money back. These lasted too long." But was Hamilton good to keep them inflated? Yes. Well, I mean, not to keep them inflated, but not to not to wear through them. And also with the with the with the wets as well. I thought he was masterful on the tyres to be able to to a first of all keep going on the uh, the wets for as long as he did without going to the inters. And then once he put the ultra softs on, which was a bit of a ballsy move rather than the softs or the super softs, to be able to make them last all the way to the end, which nobody was quite sure he did. I thought he did extremely well, but. I, th- I think it's a bit cheeky of Adrian actually to say that that was the only plus point of his win because I think that's a pretty sizable thing around Monaco to be able to look after your tyres like that and not stuff it into a wall like quite a few other people did while you've got Ricardo breathing down your like, neck in a like, much sorry, who stuffed it into a wall? 
Palmer, uh, Raikkonen, and Fiat, I think. And I think, yeah, I think that was all of them, wasn't it? Magnussen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Yeah. Um, oh, he said Palmer. And. <laughs> you know who. You're the fucking golden boy. Stuffed it into the wall all fucking week. I don't want to talk about this, alright? Let's move on. Like how, how, did Nigel, how did Nigel Mansell get on at Monaco in his career? Can you remember? How did Mansell get on at Monaco? Do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> Nathan said he was lucky that Nico was feeling generous. I don't think he would have if it were him ahead. And very lucky that Red Bull were asleep. What? Is it, is it luck, Nathan, that Lewis's teammate is a fucking idiot? <laughs> is it luck that Nico Rosberg, oh, I glazed my brakes and they weren't working properly? Do you know what? Is that what he said? Tough shit, yeah. Glazing, they're not donuts. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what? Do you know what? It's not luck for Lewis that Nico, Nico just gave up the place when he was told to and Lewis wouldn't have given up the place when he was told to. That's called being a world champion. Well, that, that's sort Nathan. of... Nathan. That's <laughs> sort of bringing us on to the next point of, of, of Ro- uh, and story to see with your thunder cheeker. Should, should Rosberg have let Lewis pass as he did? He was told to and the team orders because he was clearly so ridiculously so if you were Rosberg Terry would you have let Hamilton pass? of course not he didn't have a choice well he did he could have just not done it we've seen people do that before Jason DeLuca said it was the gentlemanly thing to do Nico was so far off the pace that I don't think Lewis would have left him a choice gentlemanly what is this 1954 well, I'm not sure that, having, I mean, you know what Monaco's like. I mean, Lewis was so much faster than Nico anyway. As we saw, as soon as he got past him, he was like three seconds up the road within a lap. Yeah, but Nico is in front of the championship. He doesn't want to let Lewis out and buy. So you're saying he should have dis- disobeyed team orders? He, yes. He, he was really slow. He really didn't have any excuse. Yeah, but he would have scored more points than Lewis Hamilton, which I'm no Nico Rosberg fan, but surely it's pretty common sense to go, do you know what, Mercedes, who I'm negotiating with, and if you want to have, uh, not me, Nico, and if you want to have me next year, you got to understand that I play by my own rules, then you go, that... That Lewis Hamilton guy is staying behind me. So Leighton Brown said, I think he had to. He was that far off the pace. The Salbers proved what may have happened if they had. Plus, Rosberg's a fucking butler anyway. Why string things out till later in the season before choking and letting Lewis win the title? <laughs> well, I pretty much agree with that, to be fair. Leighton's taking no prisoners. Rosberg's a bottler. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let's talk about the headline of the race, Bieber. Lewis Hamilton jumps out of the car and before getting his trophy or meeting the prince, he goes and chats with Justin fucking Bieber. Actually, he went and gave him a little bit of his champagne, didn't he? Yeah. I'm not sure if he's old enough to Well, that was afterwards. He went and chatted with him first and then he did the whole podium thing and then he went back to him, fed him champagne like a fucking mother feeding a baby. All right, John Gibbons said burn him with fire. Celebrities at the podium should not be done. It's time for the drivers to get their glory, not celebs who no one cares about. I'm sorry, I'm going to come out okay. firmly in oh. favour of Justin Bieber here. Wait, I what? think Formula One needs to attract a young audience. You attract a young audience by going, fuck me, Justin Bieber likes this, I think I might give it a go. You don't attract a new audience by going, burn Justin Bieber with fire because he dares to be in Monaco like a tax reject. No, 
it's fine. It's good for the kids to see young people. What would you rather? Oh, look, there's Bernie Eccleston with his fucking hublow. Oh, oh, isn't it amazing? Oh, look, they're all in fucking suits. No, I want Justin Bieber saying, well done, dog. So do you reckon it was a marketing one? Yes, it's brilliant. Stroke a genius. But just to play devil's advocate, Bieber's a twat and anybody that likes him is also a twat and I don't want them in my sport. They're not a twat, they're a believer. Have no. you ever been to a Grand Prix? Yes. Have you seen how many twats like <laughs> Formula One? That is a good point. Thank you. Uh, so some more news is that uh, Renault is confirmed for Red Bull in 2017 and 2018. Uh, obviously, if you were living under a, under a cave, or maybe in a rock, you'll, uh, you'll know that they've had a fractious relationship for, for the last year or so, and the, 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 the engine has been badged as a tag hoy for this year. But Renault confirmed today, in fact, that they are going to stick. Uh, they're going to keep supplying Red Bull with engines in the next couple of years, and they've said they can badge them as they wish, and I think that's a direct quote. Uh, but the maybe slightly more interesting news is that they're also going to supply Toro Rosso from next year again. Uh, obviously, Toro Rosso are Ferrari this year, but they're going back to Renault again. Whether they will badge them as Renaults, we don't know. But we'll see. If I was Renault, I'd insist that Red Bull badge the engines as Renault are quite good, actually. So moving on from the listeners' questions to the drivers' market. With Max now at Red Bull, what's the knock-on effect on guesses for who's going where in 2017? Well, well, well. Silly season has officially begun. It seems that Jensen Button's getting fired. Massa's not staying. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, he. Well, Massa's, Massa's said that he might not be at Williams next year, which basically oh, means... Oh, did he? I missed that. He's retired, because who else is going to have him? Sauber? <laughs> he's been at Sauber before, hasn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. where did that go? Quite well, well. I don't know. Yeah. Sa- the way the way the Sauber's acted this race, they might be looking for a couple of new drivers. Must have must have a few quid by now. Well, Verstappen's locked into Red Bull now. That's why this yeah. whole thing. That's what kicked off the merry-go-round. Yeah. Do you reckon he's on a contract? Yeah. A big, <laughs> no, he's a big fat contract. He's on a contract. No, they just went. Yeah, hey, give it a go for a week, and then uh, you know, I'll pay your cash in hand. It's on a zero hours contract. Half when you start, half when you finish your job, and uh, you know what. I'll keep it under the books. You can still sign on. <laughs> Just gets paid cash out the back door. Are Ferrari going to keep Kimi? I think they can't, surely. It seems like they are. Surely he's going to go. Surely they, they can't. They're who gonna, else, well, who well, else can they have? I mean, this is all kicked off because from what we're told, Ferrari wanted Verstappen and Red Bull went, no, we're not losing him. He's too good. So they, they signed Verstappen. So that's... Kimi's clearly going to go from Ferrari because he's been rubbish for quite a while now. So, who's going to go to Ferrari? Bottas, maybe? There were rumours kicking around this week about Rosberg to Ferrari. Yeah, but Rosberg's negotiating his contract. And well, really, he hasn't if done you were, it yet, though, has he? If you were Rosberg, given a chance of leaving the, the best team to going to Ferrari, who always managed to fuck up, and going to Ferrari with Vettel as your teammate, they'd have to be paying him so much money, he's lost all common sense. He probably so, doesn't need the money now, then, does he? Well, he's if, never needed the money. Yeah. He was born in Monaco. If hypothetically this did happen, who would replace him in Mercedes? Well, Verline, I would have thought. But Verline's been made to look very ordinary by that pay driver. Well, I said that the, you know the pay driver is a good uh, is a good pay driver. Harry Anto's won races in GP2. He's not he's not shit. But he's better than Verline, and Verline's supposed to be fucking shit off. Well, I think Verline's still got the upper hand so far, hasn't he? I haven't checked the standings. Yeah, yet, but, but I think um, his his stock has tumbled. 
time will tell. I still think Verlon's pretty good and he's Mercedes' wonder boy and he's already under a contract of sorts at Mercedes. They're Ooh. grooming him to go in and I can't see them replacing uh, Hamilton. So that leaves us, well, who, el who else could go to Ferrari? Talk's been kicking around of Grosjean maybe because he's been a, a Ferrari favourite for a while yep. and obviously he's a Haas which is basically a Ferrari B team. Yeah. Sainz perhaps. If Bottas goes from Williams to Ferrari... Button could go back to Williams, or Button could leave altogether, which would open up a place at McLaren. I would like to get a comment from Frank Williams on Jensen Button, because let's not forget, Jensen Button welched on his Williams contract in like year 2000. He had like a year left, he fucked off, he went to the contracts arbitration board, it was a huge hoo-ha, and Frank Williams not only looks like a tortoise, but he's got a memory like one, and I don't think he would let Jensen Button back in a million years. I don't know whether there's any substance to those rumours at all, but, I mean, you would think if, if Jensen desperately wants to stay in F1, there would be, be teams... He be a commentator. That, possibly, but there would be teams that would have him, especially the lower-down teams, because, I mean, he's got... Who, so who Sauber, man, yeah. Do you want to be driving around a Sauber? That's like going, Pele plays Rackridge and Stanley... But Button's still got attraction. He's got he's got so much experience that if you're a lower team trying to develop a car, you could do far worse than Button. So anyway, if he does go, and it looks likely that he probably will at the end well, of the year. Ron Dennis has said this week that Stoffel van Dorn is not for anyone else to have. Yeah. He's ours. I mean, which basically means he's driving next year. I think Stoffel was well regarded before Stoffel. even before he even got in a car, and and after his display at uh, wherever it was, Bahrain was it? Yeah, whatever it was. Uh, I mean, surely his stock is super high now. Yeah. And McLaren are surely going to want him in the car for 2017. Exactly. And then you've got the whole Toro Rosso debacle and the whole Red Bull debacle. Uh, Verstappen's obviously locked in at Red Bull. Ricardo, unless he's pretty he gets, pissed off. He is pretty pissed off. I can't see him going elsewhere. I mean, the car is getting good now. I mean, Ricardo was quick this week. He was the quickest, and he should what have won. What if he swaps with Rosberg? Well, Ricardo, no, I think that's not. I mean, it sound good. It'd be good, wouldn't it? I can't see the Red Bull lineup changing for a couple of years. I can see the Toro Rosso lineup changing because I don't think Kvyat's going to last much longer, especially after a blot on his copybook again this weekend. But why? So because he's had, a, he's had some really good races this season. It's only the last couple that's all gone a bit wrong. And they've gone proper wrong. Yeah. Um, and he was pretty, pretty crap again this weekend. Can you get to Red Bull and then be demoted and then get back to Red Bull? And if you can't, then what's the point in hanging around Toro Rosso? Well, I've heard rumours that Max Verstappen's been demoted after this weekend, gone back to Toro Rosso. Verstappen <laughs> didn't have the fire this weekend. But um, there's a, a young French kid called Pierre Gasly who is apparently being being tipped for, for Toro Rosso next year. Uh, and there's no no other shortage of young Red Bull Junior Academy programme drivers yeah. waiting to, to jump in there. So uh, that could happen as well. So what we're basically saying is, I don't want to be the one to summarise, but we haven't got a fucking clue. No, we've got no That's idea. Right. Okay, right. good. On that note, tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for f one sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or email us at wrong at FF1S.com. So moving on, let's talk about the race itself. Well, before we do that, Chica, I'm sorry to interrupt, so I'm going to have to drop some more knowledge on you from the uh, the Formula One miscellany uh, by John White, fourth edition, forward by Sterling Moss. Here's a little bit of fact. Oh, it's a quiz. Let's do a quiz. Uh, three F1 drivers have received a knighthood from the Queen. Who are they? Sterling Moss, Sir Graham Hill, Sir Jackie Stewart. Two of three. Oh. You got one wrong. There's one. I'll give you a clue. He's not British. He's not British. He's not British. 
And he's got an OBE as well. It's Sir Jack Brabham. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Sir Jack Brabham. Anyway, sorry, G, you can carry on now. Knowledge dropped. Right, let's start off with Red Bull. Oh, can I do my Jeopardy game? Can I do my Jeopardy yeah. game? Can I do my Jeopardy game? So, are you both aware of the American quiz show Jeopardy? No. Okay, the quiz host gives out the answer, and you've got to answer with the question. So, let's do a test one. If I said, um, I have an English driver, I just won the Monaco Grand Prix, you would say, who is Lewis Hamilton? Great, okay. Uh. I just won the Spanish Grand Prix unexpectedly, but in the next race, totally screwed up, crashed out, and everyone thinks I'm shit. Who, who is, is Pastor? Who is Pastor Maldonado? Pastor Maldonado! Oh! <laughs> in your face, Max Verstappen lovers, he is the same as Pastor Maldonado! <laughs> is that the whole game? Yeah, that was it. That was just a thinly veiled <laughs> attack on Max Verstappen. He constructed an entire game show premise just yeah, to do you that. You may as well call it Terry Hates Max. Let's start off with Red Bull. Last week I said why you would want to be Verstappen and why you wouldn't want to be Ricardo. But this week I've got reasons why you wouldn't want to be Verstappen. Number one, you smacked into the fence on the first lap of qualifying. Two, you crashed in exactly the same place on the fence in the actual race. Three, now everyone thinks last weekend was beginner's luck. And four, to make things worse you've got raging hormones. And reasons why you'd want to be Ricardo. One, everyone thinks you're a hero. Two, it was in no way your fault. Your team were just fannying around, so you can be as righteous as you like. And three, you really pull betrayed emotional Australian off. I once pulled. I see where this is going. I must say, I once pulled a betrayed emotional Australian off. But that's for another day. Um, so here's my Danny Ricardo impression. Oh, nothing you could say can make it better. Save it. If it weren't for the tyre cock-up, would he have won? Yes. Yes. How can you say that with such confidence? Because you can't overtake a Monaco. He was the fastest all weekend. The only way he would have lost that race is if Red Bull inexplicably didn't have the tyres ready. And then, when the whole world's media is questioning them about it, say, oh, what, it was a... a we had them... They were at the back of the garage and they were trapped behind something else. Like, the Monaco garage is their spare room. In, effect, in fairness, the Monaco garages are tiny, and half the reason, apparently, for the for the fuck up in communication was they don't have a pit wall like they do at most races. Yeah, yeah, Instead I'll of being that. on the wall of the circuit, they're upstairs. So are you defending Red Bull here? I'm not defending. Uh, I'm explaining. Oh well, I'm not really because it's a complete fuck if up. This was Red Bull's first Monaco, or is the first Monaco race? I don't understand that. They've won here before. They know where to put the fucking tires. Now, admittedly, they use a lot of tires this weekend. A lot of tyres. There's a lot more tyres now than there were. But the thing is, when um, he came in, Ricardo, and his first change of tyres, and then he did like two laps, and then he came on and put another set of tyres on. Did he, did he, he came off the wets and went onto the inters, and then yeah, he came in for uh, slicks, wasn't it? Slicks. And the safety car, wasn't it? I don't know. I can't remember, wasn't paying attention. We're not really experts but regard, on why, regardless, but it definitely happened. You saw after the fuck up when he went out, he was only just behind Hamilton. And if he'd have got out, if he'd have done a proper pit stop, he would have been a good eight seconds up the road uh, before Hamilton came round the corner. And we saw how quickly Ricardo was all over the back of Hamilton. But he had fresher tyres on, and we saw that there were other overtakes that weekend. So yeah, but they weren't trying to overtake Hamilton in the, one of the fastest cars and probably one of the best drivers. If it wasn't for Red Bull's fuck up, Ricardo would have had to have stuck it in the wall to have not won that race. 
I thought he drove absolutely superbly all weekend. I mean, I think Lewis would have given him a good go, and I think yeah. he'd have tried to overtake. But we saw what happened when Lewis was stuck behind Rosberg. He was going about six yeah, laps, exactly. six seconds a lap slower than him. He couldn't get past him. And Ricardo was much faster than Hamilton when he was behind him and, and couldn't get past him, despite his best efforts. What did we think about that little... Uh, that little move that he tried to pull coming out of the chicane when, when Hamilton messed up. Ricardo wasn't very happy. What was our take on that? I think they're really, what we should be talking about here is Max Verstappen. We'll get, we'll get on to Max Verstappen. You no, can have your moment of Not now. Because that was shit. If it wasn't for Jolene Palmer, he'd have looked the shittest this weekend. I, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go with that. He had an accident in practice well he had almost had an accident in practice at the point where he later crashed in the race and he had his crash in qualifying which is unfortunate and yes he balls that up and showed a bit of a lack of experience but until he crashed in the race he was doing superbly considering he started from the pit lane he was overtaking everybody up until the moment when he crashed so I'll, yeah, I'll give you that he did eventually crash but until then I thought he was driving really well. Around the streets of Monaco, there was a real street spirit. Hey, ding, 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 ding. But he did fade out. Again. <laughs> Admittedly, the crash was a bit of an idiotech move, but up until then, I thought he drove really well. Monaco is the race where they saw out the men from the boys, as they say. Well, it seems that Verstappen is still a boy. Well, <laughs> that was very, very pompously said. Um, I know neither of you two watch the motorbikes, but in MotoGP a few years ago, there was a new wonderkind who came in. He was like 20 years old, younger than everybody, a Spanish kid called Marc Marquez. And he was insanely fast, but for his first season, he basically fell off every two races. If he didn't fall off, he won. And Max Verstappen reminds me a lot of him, in that he's insanely fast, but he's still a little bit rough around the edges, and he still keeps binning it and making silly mistakes here and there. In a year or two, when he's ironed those out, and he's still only going to be 20 years old, I think he's going to be ridiculously good. For seven months, Lewis Hamilton has been a shadow of the man he once was, but finally, we saw the 44th win for number 44. He started in third, only made one pit stop, as we said, overtook Rosberg on lap 16, and while Red Bull were trying to decide which tyres would look best, he pulled out in front to win the Monaco Grand Prix. What was the most important factor in his win? Was it Rosberg's alleged engine slash brake trouble? The fact that Ricardo was otherwise engaged, or was it the weather? Well, uh, I would say all of those. I don't. You can't say all of those. Oh well, I'll, I'll explain. I don't believe. First of all, I don't think Rosberg had actually any technical trouble. I think he just couldn't get his car to work. He couldn't. He couldn't get the the balance of the car, so he couldn't push very hard, which meant he couldn't get his tyres warmed up, which meant he had no grip, which means he wasn't going fast enough to get the brakes to heat up, which means the brakes didn't work, which meant he couldn't go very fast, and so on and so forth, and basically a cycle of shyness. He was pretty rubbish. Yes, Terry. Bill, can I ask a question? What are glazed brakes? Glazed brakes are when you you heat the brakes too quickly at the start, and it's sort of forms a well a literal glaze almost like a glass like substance over the top of the brakes and it doesn't it means the pads don't uh, sorry it, it means that the pads don't bite into the discs as well as they should i have a follow-up question isn't that a really stupid design <laughs> i think it's just an unfortunate byproduct of the most if, it, if you do it if you treat them right that's the most efficient way to do it but the downside is if you fuck it up it fucks up can't they get someone to to deglaze the brakes in the factory 
No, this is only when they're on the car. Basically, it's the, it's the driver that can do it. The driver needs to treat the brakes in a certain way to get them heated up. So if you if you drive a Formula One car out of the pits, and you'll notice if you've ever played any racing games on the computer with this simulation, the moment you come out of the pits on cold tyres and cold brakes, the car is almost impossible to, to, to drive. And you have to sort of do... That's why in the qualifying, you saw them do two laps before they went for a hot lap. Because Monaco is particularly different, uh, difficult on these tyres that they're using this year to get heat into them and also get therefore get heat into the brakes because you need to go fast to get heat into the brakes you need to do hard braking from high speeds so it's just uh, it's always been something because the cars go so fast and they have to have brakes that cope with insanely high temperatures but there's a window that they work to cope oh, with well, those high temperatures you don't want a window on your brakes <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to Force India. Um, apologies about the noise behind uh, our chat about Mercedes. It did get a little bit too noisy in the pub, but don't worry, we've moved to a different pub now. Last week, I said that Perez was a man to watch, and it turns out I was right. It also turns out that when he gets on the podium, he gets a massive ego. He claimed that the rain brings out the best drivers. In fairness, though, he set a couple of fastest laps and was faster than Raikkonen in qualifying. And also... Good work by his teammate, Hulkenberg came fifth. He overtook Rosberg and could have done better, but was brought into the pit a little bit too early, which wasn't his fault. I don't think this is about Perez or Hulkenberg being amazing drivers. I think Force India have got that DNA from when they were Jordan of they've just made a really good racing car that on its day is fantastic. And yes, they had a good strategy. Yes, lots of other cars crashed out, but you know, Perez has got a weird career of being very impressive at times, but impressive strategically, not an impressive racing driver. So what would it be like if you put a really impressive racing driver in a Force India car? They'd win the race. Well, what do you reckon? You're saying they're better than they'd Mercedes? Probably, I think they'd probably... I think, I think both of them... I think both Perez and Hulkenberg are pretty good. I don't think they're at the same level as the, the real top echelons, but I think they're all right. But I, I actually think that Hulkenberg is better most of the time. Well, the results don't prove that. No, they Hulkenberg's don't. lost his way. Don't get me wrong, it's pretty close. But I think Hulkenberg was, uh, was a bit unlucky with his pit strategy in this race, and I think he probably should have beaten Perez in this race. Uh, and while Perez drove well to get on the podium, it's only because Sainz had a problem in the pits uh, at the first round of stops that he wasn't ahead of him. Because when he came in, Sainz was ahead of Perez. If his pit stop had gone to plan, I think we should have seen Sainz in third. So I think Perez, to an extent, lucked into it. Not to take too much away from him, because he did drive well. Well, I think the results slightly flattered him. Let's give Holkenberg the, the move of the day for overtaking Rosberg on the last corner. Yeah. <laughs> But it was amazing because it was just when Ricardo was saying the old uh, save it, guys, you can't say anything. And all the commentators around the world are going, fucking hell, Hulkenberg's overtaking Rosberg. <laughs> so Ricardo, in his moment of radio triumph of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shit this team up, everyone's going, actually, mate, something else has happened. All right, let's talk about Ferrari. Oh, oh. God. A shocking race for Ferrari. It's not coming Ferrari. together, is it? When the going gets tough, they sit back and blame it on everyone else. Raikkonen crashed and held up loads of people, which he got away with uh, without being penalised through steward bribery. It's a conspiracy, Ooh, I made controversial. it up. Vettel blamed his poor performance on the bank holiday traffic where he sat behind Perez for most of the race. However, this time he didn't mouth off at everyone. What is going on with these guys? The problem with Ferrari is that the Schumacher years were a blip. That is not how Ferrari act. Ferrari act in a way where they're always second or third best and fuck everything up. And so this they're is always going to be second, third. Yeah, best. this is classic Ferrari. 
you think they're going to do well, they do shit. That's why we have them. That's why they have a veto. That's why they're a historic team. Is because we can rely on them, apart from those middling Schumacher years, to be shit. Do you know when the last time Ferrari won at no. uh, Monaco? 1924. That's, well, the race didn't start till 29, but yeah, no. I believe it was 2001. So that's 15 years that Ferrari has not won at... at one of the most famous teams in F1 has not won at the, one of the most famous races. I wonder if it's because if you think about the last few people at the head of Ferrari... There hasn't been sort of one big sort of godfather figure that ha- that controls careful, everyone, godfather, brings them all careful. together. <laughs> wasn't deliberate, or was it? Um, it's a prancing horse's head in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, since Ross Braun was there, yeah. they haven't had a guy that can tie everything together. And then what did Ross Braun do after that? He went to Braun and won the championship. Yeah. Then he went to Mercedes, set them up to be the championship winning car they are. They, so the only reason Ferrari did any any good in the first place was because of a guy who isn't Ferrari. The, the trouble with modern F1 teams now is that they're so massive organisations. They have thousands of people and they're not using jack-of-all-trades anymore. They can sort of jump around between departments so everybody always knows what's going on everywhere. And they need basically one bloke that knows everything that's going well, well, on I don't and think can tie it all together. I don't, I don't think, think, think they've had that since Ross Braun. I don't think that's fair. I think they've got one bloke who's just concentrated solely on coming about third or fourth. <laughs> That's his job title, and so he's, think they need to he's got the him. biggest bonuses. He's amazing. <laughs> All right, Williams. So, Williams are always bad at Monaco, right? Well, that, in right? recent years, the last couple of years, they've just basically gone, turns out our car doesn't fucking work. Yeah, that's been their line. But no. they did still manage to get a point. So, despite this, Massa was another one that Raikkonen got in the way of. So, it wasn't really his fault. And Bottas was delayed at the pit stop and had a late penalty for crashing with Gutierrez. Why are they always bad at Monaco? Uh, I mean, their, their excuse for the last couple of years is that it's just their car hasn't been set up for it. In fairness, I was listening to somebody explain that if you were to design a car specifically for Monaco, it wouldn't look anything like the cars that they actually take there because it's such a weird circuit. Yeah, and Williams has just been, un- not unfortunate, but just you know, by the design of their car, it hasn't worked. As there. an excuse saying that Monaco's an outlier, it's not a track, this is, we've designed our car around other tracks so we can be competitive. That would be fine if Williams ever won a fucking race, but they don't, do they? No, they're second or third at every race, and then in Monaco, they're fifth. Well, do you know what? Why don't you design a car around Monaco and win there, get the glory, and sod off? If only they had a race winner there again. If only Maldonado was still there. Taking that into account, would they have been happy with the race weekend? Oh yeah, because they just given up. I don't think they were expecting anything, and they didn't get anything. So I can, I guess they've met their expectation. The best thing about Williams is on the Sky coverage, the advert break in between is sponsored by Shaw, which is a Williams sponsor. And Martin Brendel says, "Sure, they won't let you down." Williams, it probably will let you down. All right, McLaren. As I like to do every week, I talk about the pros and the cons of McLaren's performance. So they had a double points finish. That is great. Well, it's not great, but still. Button set the fastest lap at one point, but it was the first one after the initial safety car. Alonso drove well, he finished in front of Rosberg, but McLaren have won Monaco 15 times before, so that's not exactly something to write home about. Button then claimed their tyre tactics were so good that everyone copied him, but he got stuck behind the manners and came ninth. And it was their best triumph since getting Honda engine last year, but the guys have had 21 months of misery leading up to this. Can you imagine when they first had the press conference for Honda Engines and they said, tell you what, in a year and a half, we're going to finish 
fifth and ninth in Monaco. <laughs> I mean, it's better than it has been. But, they, I mean, McLaren, once again, were making big noises about Monaco. They thought it was going to be their best track of the year. They've said that about every single race. They have. And once again, it wasn't particularly spectacular. So, I mean, it's good that they've got points, but they weren't very many points. Jensen Button used to be amazing at saying, it's time for intermediates, it's time for dry tyres, it's time for wet tyres. And in this race, he fucked it all up. He, he, he announced them all first, he changed first, but actually the analysis shows that Alonso changed tyres at the exact right moment every time. And Button was a lap or two too early. Retire, old man. Same age as me. Retire, old man. <laughs> All right, Renault. So Renault had a race of passing the blame. Magnussen was in collision with Kvyat, but he keeps reminding people it wasn't his fault. Terry, I need to bring you in with your best Magnussen impression here. I don't know what Danish sounds like, but I'll give it a go. It's like bacon. Kvyat just lost his mind, <laughs> crashed into me, and that was effectively the end of my race. What he forgot to say was that after the crash, well, that's well, actually, my bit. That's his... my bit. oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll carry it away. I, I basically figured that Danish was like Bobcat Goldthwait from Police Academy. It was like as if it was as if Bobcat Goldthwait has been cast as the Terminator. Let's be honest, that would be good. <laughs> I would watch that. So what he forgot to say was that after the crash, what actually ended his race was the fact he smacked into the barriers. Palmer lost control and spun out onto the wet track. It's raining, mate. He refused to blame it on himself, though. I reckon he had his Bewitched playlist on in the car. He blamed it on the weatherman. Oh. I mean, say you will, say you won't. John Ketley is a weatherman. Do you really have to do that? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Anyway, Palmer. I thought it was interesting. He crashed on a zebra crossing. Yeah, but why, it's pretty unfortunate. It, why didn't everybody else? Uh, I don't know. Jocelyn Palmer was so shit this week. Seriously awful. I watched all the practice and he just kept crashing. All he could do was crash. Crash, 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 crash. Well, at least that's his first disappointing weekend of the year so far. I mean, he's had nothing exactly. exceptionally good, though, has he? No, in fact, he's had several disappointing weekends. He's not looking good, is he? And he's won a GP2 in Monaco, so you can't say, oh, he's never driven Monaco, love, bless him. No. Fire him. He, well, he won. He won the whole GP2 championship. Not just uh, yeah. the race. That proves how easy that is. <laughs> Give it a chance. I think we could win the GP2 championship. <laughs> and we'll be doing a special episode as we try and do just that next week. Don't fucking bet me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder if he's going to be there next year. Who's coming up in the ranks for anyone, Renault? Anyone yeah. in his shadow? Uh, Esteban Ocon, I think. Okay, all right, let's move on to Toro Rosso. It was, as we said, a race of disappointment, blame and penalties. In retrospect, I think Franz Tosk should have said something on Sunday morning. Do you want me to do that impression? Um, yeah, you can do that impression if you want. Sadita, we're Italian, it's a raining, nobody's in the mood to change the tyres quickly, and Kvyat's emotional this weekend. Let's just have the day off and have some espresso. Uh, Franz Tost is Austrian, I believe. He's what? He's Austrian, I think. He's Austrian? <laughs> I don't, th- I th- don't think he's Pretty Italian. sure that was an Austrian accent. <laughs> okay, my bad. Are you being racist? No, I was just, <laughs> just confirming. Sur- <laughs> southern, not fair. southern Austria. It was an off day. I think right, the, only one, Farage. the only p- people that, uh, at Toro Rosso that came out of this with any kind of uh, heads held high, I think, would be Sainz, who drove really well and was only 
denied a podium by a shitty pit stop because he was ahead of Perez, as we've said already. I think he, he could quite easily have, have stayed ahead of him and, and finished third if everything had gone smoothly, but their pit stop wall stuck when they couldn't get his wheel nut off. Uh, Kvyat had a bit of a nightmare. Well, Kvyat had that weird constant speed problem in the, when the race started, you know, when he had to pit and change the steering oh, wheel. Oh, yes, he did, didn't he? He was like, I'm stuck in constant speed mode, which is a thing they use in testing. Basically, it's an issue that Max Verstappen had at the start of the year, and he was stuck in constant speed mode, only his speed was much higher. <laughs> I forgot how much you love Max Verstappen. Right, and Manor. So, Harrianto was out in Q1 and potted at the back of the entire race. The team blamed it on the conditions. It wasn't just raining on you, Harrianto. Verline did some one-stop tyre strategy as Hamilton, which helped, but he forgot the rules of F1. He sped under virtual safety car and forgot what blue flags meant. And finally, Haas. Haas? Nah, not doing it. I wouldn't have wanted to be down the pub with Haas after last weekend. They were being right little whingers. Grosjean collided with Raikkonen, then got gobby about it over the radio, and then called the race the worst of his life. Rayman, you didn't finish your last race, and the short amount of time you were in it, you pissed off the entire rest of the field. The team's tyre strategy kept changing until they used them all. Do we still think it's a team to watch out for? Yes, but they're now having all their teething problems that they didn't have in the first couple of races. They basically got lucky. Now they're being normal. You know, fair play. They're now they're now being where we might have expected them to be if they hadn't had the the, the good start to the season. And frankly, if they, again, we've said this before, but if they hadn't had the good start to the season, we'd be like, oh, they're not last. They're doing well. Was the good start a fluke? Um, less fluke, more just lucky circumstances that everything went right for them I think and Sauber an interesting part of the Grand Prix was when NASA got told to let Ericsson through on the radio and then he ignored them Ericsson then attempted an impossible overtake and ended up having to retire both said they were really sorry and they would never happen again what has brought the rebellious side out for Sauber's because they've realised they're in a shit team on a shit year where they've got no shitting money and Sauber are going, whatever you do, don't crash into each other because we can't afford the parts. So what do they do? They ignore team orders, they crash into each other, and they make themselves look stupid. Bad, bad, bad form, Sauber. But they bad. Did really polite apologies. Oh, I, th- I think that's the fucking least they could do. I think if there was an award for bollocking of the season, they probably would have uh, would have given it to uh, to Sauber because I mean, just childlike in their. Uh, in their incompetence for, for NASA not to give up the place when he was obviously slower is bad for, for Ericsson to attempt that move that was just never in a million years was that on on his teammate and then to, to I mean the fact that he attempted it is bad enough but the fact that he then didn't pull out of it when it became obvious that it wasn't going to work really really poor and they should both be ashamed of themselves right so that was the teams all of which takes us to the standings with Terry First place, I don't move over for nobody-ish. He has 106 points. Second place, did he just call me a fucking dog? 82 points. Third place, save it, 66 points. Fourth place, I clear your drive for a fiver. That's uh, 61 points for him. Fourth place, I made a terrible mistake, 60 points. Sixth, yep, those barriers work. Coming in at 38 points. Seventh, I can't look myself in the mirror in the morning, 37. Eighth, I'm the next subtle, aren't I? 29 points. Ninth, I don't rate me either, but here I am on the podium again, 23 <laughs> points. Tenth, at least I'm trying, 22 points. 
Eleventh, Kimmy made me squeal like a pig at 22 points. In 12 places, when loads of cars crash out, we can almost challenge for fourth. 18 points. 13th, hello, I'm still here with 16 points. 14th, no, I'm the next Sutil, aren't I? 14 points. 15th place, we've got Jizrag, which is because I really run out of things to go with K-Mag. <laughs> 16th, I used to know when to change tyres. I used to know a lot of things, five points. <laughs> and 17th place is Stoffel Ruffle with one point. Yeah! <laughs> okay, now we're at the Monaco, so the Constructors' Championship, I have used casino references. In first place with 188 points is Jackpot. Second place, put it all on red with 121 points. Third place is Snake Eyes, 112 points. Fourth is Minds of Martini, 66. Fifth is Three Kings is good, right? 37 points. Sixth is Hit Me, 30 points. Seventh is Poker Face and the Wind Changed. <laughs> They've got 24 points. Eighth is our Beginner's Luck Run Out with 22 points. Hayes. And ninth, would, it would have been a cheaper weekend at the casino because it wouldn't have broken so many fucking front wings <laughs> with six points for Renault. So it is time, Terry, for the State of F1. Or the State of Watching F1. Ooh. Because viewer levels are sliding. Formula One will soon be locked behind a paywall. It's all doom and gloom. And this weekend, I watched Sky's highlights package, and it was so bad and missing so much action, I wonder if they're giving it to Red Bull's pit crew to edit. <laughs> it made me fear that the future of Formula One coverage is going to be pay up, shut up, or watch these awful highlights that won't make any sense, especially to casual viewers and maybe Eddie Jordan. Basically, <laughs> we're on a death watch. But don't worry they might have a solution. It's being heavily teased that next week Heineken is going to be announced as a major sponsor and some of the rumours are that this won't just be a set of flags for circuits but a whole new way to watch. In the future you'll be able to log on to a Heineken website and watch the races from all angles and all cameras as long as you pull up with all the Heineken adverts or vote for the Heineken driver of the day or the uh, Desperados overtake of the race or the cause light piss week lunge of the week. It's also being rumoured that virtual reality will come to F1 and you can immerse yourself and become the driver or have a unique track vantage point and be, or be politely ignored as your family eat dinner and you sit on a chair in the living room with a gravy stain around your shirt because you're in pole position but you've missed your mouth. <laughs> but of course, we know what Formula 1 is like. A sport that charges £20 to let you into their app. There's no way they're going to fuck this up. The technology of virtual reality means you could get a prime grandstand seat. Imagine how amazing it would be from where you live in your sitting room, you can be at the grandstand on the pit straight in Silverstone. It would be amazing. But Formula One would mean that if you don't pay, you're not going to end up with a grandstand seat. That's going to be like 20 quid a race for the top seat. What's going to happen is they're going to give you with the free version a chance that you can only watch from that boring corner where nothing happens and there's someone next to you talking loudly on their phone whose girlfriend is in the car park crying so they didn't want to go to the Formula 1 anyway. Or you might be able to witness the race in the unique vantage point of a driver but unless you pay 20 quid per race you're only the reserve driver and you have to follow him in the motorhome whilst he wanks in all the empty rooms. <laughs> this money grab won't end in Formula 1 and despite what they say to you next week it's fucked. There's no solution. This is shit. You don't have shit. a solution. No. I have a solution. What's that? Don't fleece everyone all the time. But Formula One will listen to that. What's the point? Okay. So, on my sliding scale of Formula One, if you think a free app gives you nothing, 20 pound a race gives you everything, I reckon the state of Formula One is, we're talking about seven quid. 
So on that happy note, that is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Well, we haven't had t time to talk about uh, the other big race of the weekend, which, if America would have you believe, is the biggest race in the world. Uh, that was the Indy 500, won by noted luminaries like Jim Clark and Graham Hill, and now by one of F1's finest once again, Alexander Rossi won the Indy 500 at his first attempt. Do you think we made a mistake in letting him go from F1? And Terry Saunders. We are not going to talk about the predictions this week. And I think that's a conspiracy because who here predicted Ricardo on pole and Hamilton winning the race? Me! Terry, you're still in 24th. Yeah, whatever. You'll still be on the rest of us. Yeah, but, but I was like 78th. Now I'm 24th. I'm coming for you, bitches. We'll be back in two weeks for the Canadian Grand Prix. Until then, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, tell your friends about the show, warn your families about the swearing, and help us find more listeners. <laughs> I've been Chikarez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.